Welcome to the Orchard Bible Study, the teaching ministry of Pastor Bill Salmon Sr. This teaching you're about to hear was recorded live at Deep Ranch Family Campground in an outdoor pavilion. We pray you'll be blessed as you receive the rich teaching of our Pastor Bill. Today's message is part two of a brief series on worldview. If you heard part one, you know that your worldview is the foundation of what you believe about how our world came to be, our current condition, and how you think the current conditions could be improved or resolved. Your worldview impacts everything in your life, your thoughts, your feelings, your behavior, and often without you even realizing it. In a 2018 Barna Research Group article, it mentions 17% of Christians have a biblical worldview. Those are numbers that were collected from people that value their faith, attend church at least once a month, and they interviewed about 1,400 people from all 50 states. They felt that their data was was pretty pretty confident. They gave it a 95% rating for confidence. But 17% of Christians have a biblical worldview. You know, what what happened to the other 83% and of those who have a biblical worldview, what does that mean? Pastor Bill's going to go into what it means to have a Christian worldview or a biblical worldview today. I hope you'll take out a notepad and get ready to listen to the message. Worldview. We started last week and highlighted some things, and we want to finish, uh, uh, say some more things tonight concerning worldview. And I mentioned last week that whether you ever thought about it or not, you have a worldview. And your view and my view of the world, how you see the world, determines how you live your life. It determines the choices you make in your life. How you act and react to your inner conviction of worldview. And every worldview answers and has an answer to the three basic questions that every worldview must have, which is number one, how did this all start? Where, where, where did we come from? And I don't think there's much debate. I don't think I have to spend a lot of time talking about that because as Christians, we all have a Christian worldview. But listen to me carefully. People outside the church, and we have a whole generation, in fact, almost two generations, that have not heard the word of God, and they, therefore, do not have a worldview. They have what is called a... In fact, this is the world. There are many worldviews, but the one that's prevalent in our world, in our culture here in the United States, is what we call, would call a naturalistic uh, view. That is that all of this just sort of happened by chance. That the evolution, which is a worldview came into existence by natural causes. You know, there was this glob and, 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 and through the osmosis and all these millions and millions of years, bless God, ultimately out jumped Adam and we had humankind. I mean, that is so nuts that it's amazing to me that anybody has that, that belief, but believe me, many folk do. Do not believe, when you, and when you do that, say you have eliminated the need for a creator or for a God. You've, you've eliminated the concept that behind all that we see, there is intelligence. Well, even some scientists now, particularly since the Big Bang Theory was proven to be true, have come to the place where they will at least say there had to be intelligence behind this. This could not have happened by accident. I'm talking to Cheryl, who taught science in middle school. And, uh, you know, in, in that discussion of uh, wh wh how do you deal with that when you're in the classroom and the textbook you're getting just promote evolution as though it is 
fact. And it's not, it's nothing but a theory. And it should be taught as such. And so as a science teacher, you have to straddle the line when you're a Christian and, and get kids to, an, to ask you questions where you can respond accordingly and share the gospel without sharing the gospel. <laughs> because if you're not careful, you lose your job in today's culture. But see, this is so prevalent that even if you go to Disney World, anybody here ever been to Disney World? You go to Disney World, go to Epcot Center, they'll take you in that theater, that round sound theater, that's got all these lights and flashes and, and videos all around you, and bless God, they'll show you in about 30 minutes exactly how it all came into being. Is this this goo and mud and, and got struck by lightning and some kind of little embryo uh, come out, crawl out of that thing, and bless God, through uh, millions of years, the first thing you know, we had an ape, and then, bless God, out of an ape came human being. Remember, remember me quoting you, Harold Hill, who was... Uh, a scientist on the NASA program who wrote a book called From Goo to You by Way of the Zoo. Very popular book. There is no credibility for evolution. True evolution. Is evolution real? Sure, things progress. We have better dogs and cats and pets and we had at one time through selective breeding, but you never you can you can just keep breeding dogs for the next five million years. You're never going to get a cat out of a dog. It does the species doesn't change, okay? And 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 so we we live in this world that the need and necessity for God does not exist, and it's being taught at all levels. Started in our colleges, and now it is filtered down even into elementary and kindergarten uh, classes whereby the, the fact and, and reality of creation is just poo-pooed. There is no God. We, uh, we just do as you please. If there's no God, there is no morality. If there is no God, there are no absolutes. Now think about what I'm saying to you. If there is no God, not only are there not any absolutes, there is no standard of right or wrong. You just do whatever is, is right or wrong for you. It might be, I might say to, to Cheryl, hey, I, I, I just think that's wrong, and Cheryl will respond back, well, I, you know, it might be wrong for you, but it's not wrong for me. It's just where I'm at. Well, she's right. Everybody's right. Everything is relative. You just do whatever you want. If there is no God, we're never answer to, answerable to anybody. There's no final judgment. We're not accountable to anyone. Does this sound like our world? Yeah. Don't let anybody tell me what to do. I'll do what I please, thank you. That's, that's our world. And, and it's because they act that way because their worldview is not Christian worldview. Why, why is that school necessary? What is it we're doing over there that is absolutely crucial to a next generation. He's teaching them that there is a worldview. It's not that we got better teachers, better classrooms, better anything, but we're, we're promoting and teaching a view of the world that was created by a God who loves you, who has a place and a plan and a purpose for your life, but if there is no God, then you are an accident. You have no plan, no purpose. You just kind of go through life and shrug it off and act like, well, hey, I just did the best I can. But there is a God. And it, this has to be taught. It has to be lived out. If there is no God, then, and we really did evolve from that hunk of clay, then we have no more value than a monkey or an ape or that tree back there has. That tree gets away, just go cut the sucker down. No big deal, right? It is to me. Boys there at the campground make fun of me because I don't like cut trees. It takes a long time to grow a tree. <laughs> you can cut one down in five minutes. But we have a whole lot more value. Why? Because we are created in the image of God. Whatever God is like, We've been made and created in his image. But if there is no God, then life is not sacred. 
Life is diminished. It's not important. Why is it Fourth of July weekend? Fourth of July weekend, Chicago. Eighty people were shot in that weekend. Fifteen killed. How does that happen in a, in a culture, in a, a society that is educated and, and as progressive as we are? Because life has no meaning. No big deal. Kill 15 people, so what? They just took up space anyway. If life is not from God, it's not a gift from God, then go ahead and abort your babies. No big deal. I'm going to say more about that in a little bit. But it's, but, but it's not, not, not a big thing, right? I mean, if life is not precious, it's not valuable. If you've not been made in the image of God, you come out of the mud puddle, so what? You have more value than the tree or the ape, like I said. And, and so that's how we got to where we are. What has happened? What happened to this? See, we, we, we begin to drift from it. People begin to drift away, and we listen to these, some of these philosophers. I'll say more about that, probably not tonight, but of how they can take a, a thought and, and present it to a culture and repeat it often enough and forceful enough, and the culture will buy it and go into it. Particularly when it comes in through a professor at a college level. Because we send our kids there and we spend $60,000 a year and put our kids in that school to get brainwashed. And they come out not believing anything. I've saw men go in seminaries who have just loved God with all their heart and with a passion. Come out of seminary and not believing anything. Just totally washed away. Why? Because they said there are these great gurus who are so smart and are making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year and working four hours a week teaching a class and they got all the answers. And they're professing themselves to be wise. They became his fools. I read that somewhere. Anybody else remember reading that any place? That's our world. See, it really is. No, it's... it's our worldview and how you, how much you really adhere and believe in this creation process and the worldview of creation that God made us determines how much you're sold on that will determine and, and, and provide your lifestyle because you will act out, you will make choices based on what you really believe about that creation process, which answers the question for the Christian, how did I get here? Am I important? Does, does my life really have value? And this, see, this is the lie of the devil that comes, almost all of us at some point, something will happen and you'll begin to feel like, well, man, I ain't much, you know, man, I blew that and I'm all messed up. And No, you were precious. Do you know that? You're precious. These people who, who believe that this thing came by osmosis, it came gradually and by evolution, would they call it. They also believe that, see, they're the do-gooders in our cities that, that really believe that all we have to do to humanity to bring in utopia, the great society, the war on poverty. Remember some of those things? Yeah. Lyndon Johnson, you know, Great war on poverty. Bless God, we're going to cure it because all we got to do is clean up the slums and give some money to people. Get them off the streets. And bless God, utopia will come in. Well, how'd that work out for us? We're $5 trillion in debt. We'll be, you know, do you know how much a trillion dollars is? I don't. But I'm telling you, we're in trouble, church. We're in trouble. And, and we've got to, to switch this thing. We've, got, we've lost two generations. We, we've got to begin to move back to preach this worldview to a culture, to a society, and to a world that don't believe it. See, that philosophy that I sh just shared with you about, you know, spending some money. See, this is the answer to education. Education is, well, I saw some tests that were done. This was like 10 years ago. I don't know about now. But 22 countries were involved in this scholastic test and 
You know where the United States, in, in sciences, in math, in English, you know where the United States finished? 22nd. Last. You know how much more, how much more money we are spending per student than any other nation? It's unbelievable. Where's the results? Graduating kids from high school who can't even read and write. It's not just in the cities. I talked to Henlope, Cape and Open. Teachers. Sports directors. In fact, it was Moose who told me. <laughs> Remember when he was at Cape and Open? Moose Moore. Kids coming out who want to play lacrosse and football. Can't read or write. Ninth grade. Tenth grade. Awful quiet in here. Dear ones, this is the truth. We've got to change it. We've got to change it. And we're going to change it as we change people's heart one at a time. I, I, in my book, I said, why am I doing what I'm doing? Because if I knew of some other way to change the human heart, I'd be involved in it. I don't know. I don't, there is no other way. It takes God to change your heart. You can't change your heart yourself. And, and this worldview that we're living in says that, you know, basically every child that comes into the world is good. It is society, it's poverty that creates this discord in our communities and this evil that's loose in our culture, where we have kids killing kids, Columbine, where we have a million and a half babies being killed every year in the name of choice and freedom. That's our world. How do, you, how do we get here? Just like you eat an elephant, one nibble at a time. You've been nibbling away at it. This, this Marxist and Lenin sociology and, and uh, plan for our world has done more damage and more death than anything you can think of. It's, it won't work. And, and our nation now is, is in, starting to embrace you know, some of these social ills that has not worked anywhere in the world, but it's being broadcast now from the steps of our capital. And, and listen to me, this is not political, this is just saying, you know, vote. We, we got a, a lot of folk in Washington needs to get out of Washington. They, they really do, and we got... It was never intended to be a career politician. That wasn't the, the, the intention in our founding fathers, but that's what it's become. They weren't paid either. I don't know if you heard what he said, but he said they're not, they were not paid either, and they were not. You served to serve the people. We've lost what servanthood means. Good leaders. Yeah, I love that term, servant leadership. Because if you're a leader, you need to be a servant. What was the pattern for that? His name is Jesus. Last thing he did, before we went back, went to the cross and went to heaven, last meeting with the disciples, what did he do? Washed their feet. He said, I've set a standard for you. I've set an example for you. Got any foot washers here tonight? You willing to wash nasty feet? Anybody's feet? Or do we just pick and choose those who scrubbed them four times before they come to the foot washing at church, you know? No, we, we need to be where people are. They need to see the gospel lived out. Talk is cheap. But this thing works. We've got to prove it works as we live it. We begin to influence people's lives who look at us and say, man, I don't know how you do that, but can, can you do that to me? And, and God can. This thing came into the world. You know, I said, I said last week that um, well, I, I didn't give you the other two. <laughs> Let me face that. Number one is your worldview answers three questions, right? How did this all start? Well, as Christians, we believe God created. We've read this several times. Carl went through it several times in the lessons he did, Colossians particularly, where he says that he, Christ, made everything that's here. And he made it for himself. 
It's his. We belong to him. We don't belong to ourselves. He made us. He lost us. And he bought us back. He bought us back. Paid a tremendous price. So we belong to God. We believe in creation. God created something out of nothing. But he created us, humankind, in his own image. You and I are spirit beings. We're not flesh and blood. That's not who we are. This is just where we live. What you see up here tonight is not me. It's just what the temple is, the house I'm living in. One day I'm going to discard that thing. My wife just did on May the 12th. She's more free and more healed than ever. Okay? We are a spirit. We live in this thing. This body. But we possess a soul. And your soul and your spirit are not the same. Your soul is your intellect, your will, and your emotions. And when you die, you step out of your body, but guess what? Your intellect, your will, and your emotions go with you. So in death, you're still going to have feelings. You're still going to have thoughts. You say, Bill, how do you know that? Because Jesus gave us a glimpse when he told the story, and in fact, he doesn't even say it's a parable, but he told the story of Lazarus and the rich man. He could see him in, in Hades, in heaven, in, in, in glory. And remember, the, 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 the rich man said, I'm tormented. Come to me, give me a drink. Let me go, let me go warn my brothers about this place. I didn't know. Let me go warn my brothers. What's that saying? It's saying he has the ability to think and to feel. He has emotions. He has an intellect. He thought about his brothers. He all thought about them and thought a little before that. It's a little late now. Amen? So we are a spirit. We live in this body, but we possess a soul. That is our intellect, our will, and our emotion. The greatest gift and we are where we are as, a, as an abuse of this one gift, but the greatest gift God gave to us is the gift and the ability to choose. You can say yay or nay. Choice. Choice. Make God godly choices. How do you do that? You look at Jesus. There is a way to live this life. Most of the questions you'll ever have is in the book. What's not in the book, if you get on your face before God, he will speak to you and direct you. He said, my sheep hear my voice and know my voice, and I'll speak to you. Amen? Amen. And, and so that, that's, that's where we are to be, and we are to make godly choices. When the Israelites were getting ready to come out of, uh, you know, enter into the promised land as they're leaving Egypt, God, what was it God said to them? I've said before you today, life and death, blessing or cursing, now choose. Choose. Listen to me. God knew in creation that first day they were going to rebel against him. He made them anyway. He also knew what he was going to do because he took that risk. He said, I'm going to pay their penalty if they blow it and they did. And so Romans says, that this came into being, all this sin and all this turmoil came into being because of one man. Absolutely true. His name is Adam. And we sat around wringing our hands and said, well, that's not fair. Well, that's God. What Adam did affects me. Yep. Yep, sure does. But it ain't fair that one man paid the price for all that either. But Romans also says that that one man came into the world to pay the price we couldn't pay. We had a debt we, we owed and, and couldn't pay it, and he paid it. He went to the cross, and he's paid your sin debt and my sin debt. And may any man be in Christ, and the person in Christ, they are a new creation. Behold, all things are passed away. All things become new. The ability to choose. The ability to choose, yea or nay, right or wrong. Tremendous gift. We're not puppets. 
He took that risk and made us anyway. And here we are all these years later, still not sure of what's right or wrong, whether we should go or not go. Now, the Great Commission is go. Amen? You don't have to point a committee to make a study about some things. You just do it. But this ability to choose is the greatest gift that God gave to humankind. It's incredible. Just incredible. But you don't have to choose him. He gave us the ability to reject him. Do you understand a love like that? That's, that's what true love is. I set you free to hate me. I set you free to choose life or death, blessing or cursing. I set you free. That gift he gave to us. Now, second point. Three things your worldview must have. One, how did this all start? Christians, we believe in creation. God made it. What did he make? Everything that you see is what the book says. He called it into existence. Second question you've got to answer is, what happened? How come 15 people were shot over one weekend in Chicago and 80 more were shot? They didn't die, but they were shot. Why is it we have kids shooting kids in the playground? There's a couple of instances where Columbine being one of them, the first one that was of national prominence, two boys set off the fire alarm in the school, took sniper positions in the bushes, started shooting and killing kids and teachers as they exited from the fire alarm going off. Where in the world? How, how'd that happen? How, how do we get there? So what happened? What happened? What happened was the fall. Genesis chapter 3. Something happened to mankind. What happened? We rebelled against God. They rebelled against God. Why did they do that? It's called pride. I want to be like God. And listen to me. We have wanted to take on to be our own gods ever since. Every child that's come into the world since Genesis chapter 3 has come into the world with a desire to do their own thing in the way they want to do it, and they don't want anybody to tell me what to do. What is that? That is, I want to be my own God. I'll do it my way, thank you. I don't need your help. And you do not, as I've said before, you don't have to teach a child, a two-year-old, to lie or to pass the buck and to say, I didn't do it. I was telling you about Jim Radford. This is one of his kids. Jim's, uh, Earl Dyson's grandson and his son-in-law, he goes into the bedroom and Daniel, who was the second grandchild, was in the bedroom with, used to have pretty beautiful white walls and they're all marked up with a crayon. All kinds of colors. And, and Jim said to his son, Daniel, what have you done? Still got a crayon in his hand. Daniel said, I didn't do that. Chad did that. That's his brother. He's two. You think Jim and Teresa? Jim is a preacher. He's, he's a Methodist preacher. You think, you think Jim and Teresa, his mother and father, taught him to pass the buck and to lie? No, he just come in the world like that. You have to teach your children not to do those things. You have to teach them what is right and wrong. Good leadership has restraints that they put on children. Good mayors put restraints on the people. Am I getting close to home? Or else you just let them go. Tell the police to back off. No big deal. No. How do we get to where we are? It's called sin. Whatever happened to sin? Have you heard anything in the last five years on CNN or Fox News, ABC or NBC? Have you heard anybody mention sin? I haven't. Hmm? Not allowed to. 
You might, you might wound somebody's ego bounds, whatever that is. Uh, my dear, you don't want to punish a child, you might ruin them, you know. You know, I read in a book one time, said, spare the rod and spoil the child. I'm not, I'm not for child abuse, but listen to me. Rebellion is in kids. Has to be dealt with. You love them, but you don't have, you have to have a restraint on them. You, there's got to be guidelines. And you nurture and love them and teach them and grow them up in the admonition of God. And they begin to see that fleshed out and they know it works. And they begin to understand what real love really is. And they move on from there. How does this all start? God created. What happened? Why is there such violence in the world? Why is there wars and rumors of wars? Nobody can get along with all the strife and division in D.C. around our world? Genesis 3. Man's nature changed from one that was God-centered to one that is self-centered. Man got on the throne. What's the answer? Third question every person has to answer is, what's the answer? How do we fix it? What do we do with sin? You go to the cross. You take it to the cross. Do you know some other way to deal with sin, to get rid of sin? I don't. But when you take it to the cross, guess what? What's it all about? It's about God taking our punishment. God who gave you the freedom and gave Adam and Eve the, the, the free, will, uh, free will to choose. The only restriction was, they just don't eat of that tree, the knowledge of, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat of that one. Everything else is yours. Help yourself. Help yourself. The sin was not eating the fruit. The sin was, I'm going to do it my way. I want to be God. What, what really got Eve's attention when the devil said to her, yeah, yeah, you'll not really die. You'll just be more like God. That, that appeals to a lot of folks. We want to be our own gods. I don't want you to tell me what to do. I do not want to be accountable for my actions. Doesn't matter if I still got a crayon in my hand or I got an AK-47 and five dead bodies laying around me. I don't want to be accountable. It's not my fault. It's society's fault. The way, my, the way mommy potty trained me is wrong and it messed me all up. And bless God, uh, it's not my fault. And, and see, our culture that believes that this thing just evolved believes that we can just throw some money at it and fix it. That if we just get these people out of the ghettos, clean up the slums, give them some money to spend and eliminate poverty, we can bring utopia in. Everybody's looking for utopia. Well, what was the Jim Jones thing all about? Looking for a utopia. All, all these cults that have gone off on these things. But, but you, know what they, we know, you know what they really prove? They prove that the, the reality that power corrupts, but absolute power corrupts absolutely. Because once they get to that place where they begin to believe themselves they're gods, these leaders, who can talk. How many people was it drank Kool-Aid? Several hundred, wasn't it? 400 and some. Can you believe that? Uneducated people. They were, they were, they were college graduates. <laughs> Drank Kool-Aid. To follow this dude. See, and, and this thing of, of, of choice, of corruption. And not understanding what truth is. Truth is a person. Don't forget that. His name is Jesus. Pilate said, what is truth? Remember? And that was truth right in front of him. Jesus said, I am the way and the 
life. What's that mean? I'm the way to live life. I'm truth. My ways are the highways. They're good way. Not I don't mean highway. I mean high highway. Okay. This is the way to live. This is the way to do this thing, and do it this way and get my results. Well, you're free to choose the other way. See, we there is a theology that I haven't shared much, but I, and it's. I think I have shared it with some of the folk in the Bible that has been around me for the last number of years, which is the sovereignty of God is so sovereign. Here's this is this is where I am. Okay, let me ha let me just tell you how this all started. It started by me sitting in a class in Bible school where the professor said that God does not have a permissive will. He doesn't let some things just happen. We call it a permissive will, and he and he said that. And he went on. That wasn't his topic. But he said that in passing, talking about something else. And I thought, that's, that's nuts. I had another class going on about why suffering is in our world. We were studying the book of Job. And, well, sure, God had a permissive will. He let, let Job do it, right? Yeah. No. So it just, it just bogged me down. It, it just really did. I, I couldn't learn anything else. I just was there. I couldn't move on. And I couldn't get to the professor because he was, he was, he was uh, Dr. Stewart who came dedicated to the church over here. I don't know if you all anybody remember Dr. Stewart when he came. But anyway, that, he was the one that did this, made that statement. And uh, I went to the professor teaching Job, and I said, help me with what Dr. Stewart said. And he said, I, you know, you need Dr. Stewart to tell you. He said, I, I, don't, I don't know. He wouldn't, he wouldn't even comment on it. That was probably smaller than his so I just prayed, 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 and, and one day, uh, it was maybe a week or ten days later, I was on the way to the country club going to work, because I worked at Indian Springs Country Club, mowing greens and, 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 and uh, taking care of the golf course. We had two 18-hole golf courses. And I was still bogged down here, and I was still asking God, to, God, you've got to help me. I can't, I'm not moving on. And God spoke to me. I went along and this thought came to me. I didn't, it wasn't an audible voice. It wasn't like some of that. I, I think it had been audible, but this was not. It was just it was bubbling up from my belly. And, and I heard these words. I am a perfect God. I have one perfect will. What the world calls my permissive will is really their ability to choose. You got that? He is a perfect God. He has one perfect will. What we call God allowing something to happen is our ability to choose. Did God allow it? Or we caused it? And God has given to us a free will, ability to choose okay so now i'm muttering on this although oh that's a, that's a, i never heard that one before i think it was the very next day i'm not sure i can't swear to this but i think it was the very next day I left school was on my way to work again at the country club and i had a burger attack and there was a place on my way that I went by every day that had the best burgers I'd ever had in my life. They were third, one-third pound burger. Those suckers were good, man. I thought, well, I better get a I'm going to stop and get me a burger. I'm on my way to work. And so I did. I walked in, and it's one of those where you go through the, like a cafeteria line, get your food, and then you go over and find a table and say, I need it. You know, it wasn't a fancy place or anything, but it had great burgers. And so I get my burger and, I, and some Coke and whatever, and I go over to sit down and I start looking for a uh, booth to set in I look over in the, in the corner and bless God who you suppose was in there eating a burger Dr. Stewart so I went over and introduced myself I said may I join you and he said surely so we said and I said uh, and I, so I, I told him how, what he'd done to me man you have, you have laid me out I did not tell him what I'd heard the day before I said so Dr. Stewart you got to help me Explain to me how it is that God does not have a permissive will. He said, well, God is perfect. 
God has nothing but a perfect will. And what we call his permissive will is really our ability to choose. Oh, well, bless God, I believe I heard that somewhere else. Like the day before. Do you, can you wrap your brains around this? See, what I'm talking, why I'm stressing this to you now is your ability to choose is a tremendous gift that God has given to his people. He wants us to love him because we want to love him and obey him, not because he's going to strike us dead if we don't. See, otherwise he, he could have wound us up and programmed us so we could not rebel against him. Well, that wouldn't have been freedom. We, 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 have to, we, have to want to, we have to choose to want to please him and obey him. And to the extent that we do that, we begin to get his results. Choice. Choice. All right, let, let, me, let me make this leap, okay? Evil. Where did evil come from? Age-old question. Did God create evil? Could a good God create evil? No. Evil is like sickness. God can't give you what he don't have. God doesn't have sickness. So he, but I know people think God gave, made them sick. Not so. No, 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 no. God cannot give you what he doesn't have. God has no evil in him. So he can't, he, if he had evil in him, if he created evil, then we would not be responsible, nor would he. It just destroys everything I've just said to you. No, evil is created by rebellion and sin in our lives. Where did it originate from? I am glad you asked. Turn in your Bibles to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 12. Now this is the fall of Lucifer. Who is Lucifer? Lucifer, there are angels in our world. There's also demons in our world. Demons are fallen angels. How did this start? It started with Lucifer. Who was he? One of the most prolific worship leaders the world's ever known. An angel in, in, on the, in, the, in the throne of God. And he rebelled. He rebelled. There are still tonight, as we said in here, uh, <laughs> I didn't mean to get here, but I, and I don't want to blow some of you out of the water, but, but hear me, please. As we said here tonight, there are battles going on in the atmosphere. There's war going on. If you don't think so, read Daniel and how he was withheld in that prayer. 21 days getting an answer. Why? Because of the battle going on in the, in the, in the, in the atmosphere. And so these invisible angels, angels and fallen angels who are demons, are battling. Okay? And you know what determines who wins? Our prayers. Our prayers. But Lucifer is a fallen angel. He rebelled against God. When did he do that? I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us, but it does tell us he fell. Are you in Isaiah 14? Isaiah 14, 12. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I want you to let me pause right there. Look at the next one, two, three, four, five verses. All begin with I. I. Okay, look at this. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to hell, to the lowest pits of the earth. This is, this is the origin of 
Satan's fall. What got him in trouble? What was he dealing with here? I, self. Self is on the throne. I said to you what happened in the fall? Man became self-centered instead of God-centered. Okay? And, and so this, this one met Eve and spoke to her in the garden and challenged what God had said. The day you eat that, God said, dying, you will die. Death means separation. Word death means separation. In the Hebrew, you, if you've got a center column in your Bible, if you go back to Genesis, the second chapter, when this dialogue is going on between Eve and Lucifer, you know, you will, you will see there that God said, eat that tree and you'll dying, you will die, it says in the Hebrew. It means separation. Now they ate it, they didn't fall over dead. It didn't mean physical death. It meant spiritual death. What's spiritual death? Spiritual death is we are separated from God. Right now they are in harmony. They're in union with God. God is coming down in the cool of the evening and speaking and walking with them. They knew God. Can you imagine? God, the God of creation, is coming down and, and having fellowship with them on a daily basis. Just don't eat of that tree. The day you eat thereof, dying, you will die. Being separated from me, you will ultimately be separated from your body. The real you. Who's the real you? Spirit and soul. Remember? I just told you that. You'll be separated from God. So now they're, they're walking with God in the cool of the evening. The devil comes along and says, oh, no. You know, no, 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 no. You know, God's just trying to steal your, your fun. Listen, if you eat of that tree, you'll be more like God. What appealed to them to be more like God? The stupid thing was they're already creating the image of God. He said so. But the devil said you'll be more like God if you eat of that one. And she looked at it and said, looked like it was good for food, right? Listen to me. What the world calls good is a bigger detriment to us in many cases than evil is. What was it appealed to Eve, the goodness of the fruit? It looked good. And she looked at that and she went, oh man, anything looks that good is, can't be bad. Like some men I know who looked at the secretary and said, oh my word, anything looks that good can't be bad. You hear me? Goodness will rob you of God's best. Be careful of the goodness. Okay? We don't want goodness. We want God's highest and best. And you have to say no to the good sometimes to get it. So the temptation was to be like God. And I said to you a few minutes ago, that's what we're still dealing with. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. I'll do my own thing. Thank you. I'll be my own God. And it just sends us down to pike. I, I, when you hear people talking about I and self all the time, you need to run away from them. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about him. Amen? First thing that in uh, Purpose Driven Life, Rick Warren, first thing in his book says, Listen, we're going to talk about the kingdom, and it's not about you. This is about God. This is about God. And we need to stay centered and focused on him. He has a plan for you. He has a place for you. And he wants to use you to fulfill his purpose, to honor and glorify him. And as we do that, we begin to experience abundant life. 
I've come to give you life and life more abundant, he said. He has brought us back. He has one perfect will. I'm convinced of it. See, we, a lot of the things that we say he allowed, we've caused. Big difference between us causing it and God allowing it. He allows your cause because he gave you the ability to do, choose. Is this making sense to you? Well, this sure wasn't in my notes tonight, but bless God we got something covered, didn't we? Point number three. What's the answer to all this? Redemption. Redemption. Where's redemption occur? At the cross. The cross. What's redemption mean? It means you get back what was lost. If, you take, if, I, if I take my watch to the pawn shop because I need some money and they give me 20 bucks for it and I say, well, hold it two weeks for me and I go back and say, here's the 20 bucks and he has me Tim's watch. I don't want Tim's watch. I want this watch. Redemption means I get back, you buy back what was lost. Right? Well, if redemption will buy us back, then what was available and, and provided for in Genesis 1 and 2 is for us now. You, you missed a good chance to say amen. What, what was in Genesis 1? See? What was it he said when he made them? He said, you're in charge. Subdue the earth. Be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth. Replenish it. Take authority over all the creeps. Got any creeps in your life? Take authority over them. I know a few. There is nothing more important than this. There, there just isn't. Your, your view of how much you believe in creation, redemption, and, uh, and, and this... Uh, this life that, that Jesus has come to give us is the most important thing you'll ever encounter in, in this walk. It just, it just is. And you've got to make up your mind. God made it all. It's his. It's not yours. You're not going to take it with you. You never, as, as somebody said, you've never seen a U-Haul or a, you know, behind a hearse. You're not going to take it with you. You're going to leave it all. Somebody said, you know how much money Rockefeller left? All of it. You know how much... Bill Gates is going to leave all of it. You know what you get to keep? What you've signed up ahead. What you invest in ministry. That's what, that's what you're going to get to keep. Isn't that good news? Amen. Stand and stretch and I'll pray and we'll close our time together. Lord, I believe you had your way tonight instead of my, me doing my way. And so I just thank you for... Uh, what you're doing and what you're saying to your people. Let your word come alive in them. Uh, my conviction is there was more than one here tonight who needed to hear that desperately. So Holy Spirit, have your way in each heart, in each life, each mind. And may we all be drawn together, unified as, as one voice, that Jesus Christ is Lord. That this world, as well as us, belong to him. Therefore, we are accountable to him. Not to our government. Not to our mayor. Not to our professors. But to him. Lord, free us. Free us. Free us. To move in our culture, with conviction, with no fear of, of, of doubt or any repercussions, but knowing that we know that we know in our knowers, it's all yours, you made us, you loved us, that rebellion caused the mess that we're in, and that there is an answer, it's redemption, it's the cross. As you change the human heart by, by, by confession, submission, 
and an openness to receive the fullness of your spirit in our lives. So we say, Lord Jesus, do that tonight. May there be more than one here who this night says, Lord God, have your way in me. I've been too casual about this thing. I've believed it in my head, but it's not affected my lifestyle. I still do some things that I want to do rather than the things I know you would desire me to do. So help me, Lord. Forgive me. Fill me with your spirit, which is the enabler in my life to do your will. And to that end, I just fall before you and say, Holy Spirit, help yourself to all that I am. Do a work in me, and I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen, and God's people all said, Amen. amen. What a great teaching on worldview, and specifically a Christian worldview or a biblical worldview. And you have noted by now that there are three aspects to that. For a Christian worldview, it includes that everything came into existence because God created it. The condition of the world today is how it is because of the fall, because of sin, because of rebellion. And the answer is the redemption that comes through Jesus Christ, the one whom God has sent. But one of the most impactful things for me in listening to this teaching was the statement uh, from Pastor Bill's Bible college teacher, Dr. Stewart. He said that God does not have a permissive will. And then such an amazing thing that uh, the Lord spoke the very same thing to Pastor Bill, and he heard it again the next day from his teacher. And so the Lord really was underscoring that that important point. And really that that impacts the second part of the worldview, that we're in the condition that we are in in the world today because of sin. And God has a perfect will, and if we are in rebellion to that, choosing our own way, wanting to, to be our own God, that explains everything. That explains why people commit the crimes that they do, why we struggle as we do. And the answer really is in surrendering our lives to Jesus Christ. And I ask you to consider today, consider your worldview and the answers to to these questions. Where are you with that? And for accepting the redemption, for walking in that redemption and lining yourself up with the will of God, we need to surrender our own will and surrender to God. God sent Jesus Christ on purpose to represent who he is, to show us what he's like, but also to pay the price for our rebellion, for our sin. And the answer for each of us is receiving that, that gift of forgiveness that comes through the suffering of Jesus Christ, the cross. And where Jesus tells us that each of us has to take up our own cross, that really just means we lay down our will and take up God's will. Whatever that means for us, day by day, moment by moment. And when you do that, you find it's your greatest joy and you end up living the life of life that flourishes, a life that that is filled with the presence of God and the nearness of God. I, I, I really encourage you today, if you haven't already done so, surrender your life to God and take up the will of God, take up the, the will of God through the relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus took the lowest place and God raised him up to the highest place. Jesus Christ is Lord. Thank you so much for joining us today. 
I encourage you to subscribe to the Orchard Bible Study Podcast so that you won't miss a single teaching. And you can find more information and more great Bible study at www.theorchardministry.org. God bless you. Have a great week.